Conan Gruen, I'm so happy to see you. Welcome to the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, excited to talk about some of these wide receivers that have new quarterbacks thrown to them, some new teammates, just new change of scenery. And we'll we'll get into some of those big names that changed and and kind of talk about what we think about them. Promote yourself. Give us uh, your handle on Twitter and all your platforms. Yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't change or pick my name when I when I joined in here on the Zoom, but um, I'm at one stat one day, the number ones. Um, on Twitter, I obviously, as you know, but some other people might not know, I do a little NFL trivia, a little stat game most nights. Um, so come check it out if you like if you like stats, fantasy football, just NFL in general. You might see your favorite player leading in some really obscure split up there. Um, and then I, I do write and uh, I'm part of the DFF Dynasty Football Factory team as well. Um, so you can see my articles. There's a link in my Twitter bio as well, where you can go read those. Um, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna commit a sin to you. I uh, so your trivia questions used to like stump me hard, and I'd like try really hard for like the first couple <laughs> of weeks I was on Twitter. I started looking them up, but like I found, I found a good database for them. I started looking them up. <laughs> now, now I do say, fault. yeah, no, I I do say it's to- I say usually like. At least one, I say, just try to guess one off the top of your head because all these stats are definitely not stats where I look at it and I'm like, oh, like I knew that one or I could have guessed that one. They're usually like, what? Like that? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) yo, I've had Durham Smythe as one of my answers. So, Uh you know, it's it's definitely I try to I try to get uh get people sometimes but i do sprinkle in some bigger names of of splits and stats that you might not have thought i had Mixon in there as a as a one of the top five in most rush attempts when trailing in the game which obviously being on the bengals people did not expect and not a lot of people guessed so i love i love you know just finding that name that i think is going to stump a lot of people I remember uh, I remember I contacted you. You do them like six nights a week, and I contacted you about doing them the seventh night a week, and I did it for mm-hmm. about a month. And yeah, the one the one trivia question was like targets in the last two minutes of a half. And KJ Osborne for some reason was like number two or three. Um, <laughs> you can just find obscure stats if you make it very um, specific. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. Just specific down, specific quarter against specific coverage you know downs or yards to go whatever it is it's like i like looking at little things on in in those situations what did these teams who did these teams go to or who was really the guy there and stuff like that and obviously a lot of them are kind of not that relevant for football fantasy football or anything they're they're unique and some of them you know like some of the third quarter stats that I looked at, like those are kind of telling, you know, it means the team trusted them. They, there was their go-to guy on that down, like stuff like that. So, I mean, some of them definitely are, are fun and relevant. I'm going to go through our socials, follow us on Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook, newly acquired at Wagme fantasy. Um, Go to our website, www.wagmefantasy.com and subscribe to our newsletter. It releases once a week. I'm partnered with Fantasy for the People. That's Ryan Larson. He's a writer for, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on, uh, Roto Baller. Yeah, he's a writer for Roto Baller. So he's pretty much certified. He's a good writer. 
Um, that releases once a week. Again, go to our website and subscribe. It is completely free. Let's get into it. So we saw one of the most historically busy off seasons ever. I, I would say in my lifetime, it, it seems like the busiest, but I feel like I say that about every year. Um, <laughs> we had four big wide receivers on the move to new teams. Break down who we're going to talk about today. So, yeah, we got, I think we're going to start with, I want to say, the least fantasy relevant, even though it's just because it's not someone that's like in the top 10, basically, for most right. people. So, so we'll start with Hollywood Marquise Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I said that backwards. Apples um, and oranges. I call, him, I call him Hollywood like all the time. Just straight up. Exactly. Got so, everyone knows who that is. Yep. Um, um, so, we'll, we'll mention Devontae Adams. Afterwards, uh, Vegas's new wide receiver one, Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, both are kind of in the same situation where they join a new team um, that has a lot of variables different about it heading into next year. So let's start with Hollywood Brown. Um, my like biggest incentive to Hollywood, and maybe it's naive of me to think this way, but I really love that he's partnered with Kyler Murray, his college quarterback. Do you think like it's realistic to see a jump? Maybe not Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, but kind of essence of that. I mean, I definitely think that, it, I mean, this was the year, the off season of like reuniting your wide receivers and your running backs with their old college quarterback. I don't know what it is. Everyone Drinking wants to just buddies. go. Yeah, it's like, and I love it. And it's like, if you guys are good buddies, I hope that translates on the field and and usually it does. You see, you see these quarterbacks and wide receivers or quarterbacks and running backs just making just just whatever this connection is. It doesn't have to be you went to college with them. Maybe you have breakfast with them. <laughs> you know, we, we saw that last yeah. year. Yep. And so or maybe you just have a crazy, crazy just chemistry with them like we saw with Rogers and Devontae. Like so we'll, it, it, it'll be seen how just crazy of a connection they do have and like what how much how many like eyes Kyler really has for him. But I am definitely like excited to see what happens. Obviously we have Deandre Hopkins suspended for the first six games of the year. That basically puts Marquise as the default, the de facto wide receiver one on that team. And so at least for the first six weeks, I, I am basically expecting borderline wide receiver one production. I think Zach Ertz will definitely factor in a lot, especially in the beginning of the season. Um, but besides that, there's not really someone that's going to to uh, demand, command a lot of targets in that offense. I do like Rondale Moore to get a little bit more increased usage, but I don't think he's really relevant for fantasy. Maybe a few spike weeks, but I, I just think Hollywood is definitely the most explosive and the most relevant fantasy piece in that offense you know you got aj green there you got whatever anton wesley it's like those guys are not people that that we're going to really care about in fantasy for the most part unless we got dude, three injuries above them <laughs> dude aj green just should retire like i don't even know why they brought him back after the fiasco in the end zone or whatever against green bay but um a big thing about Hollywood Brown is that he had 27 deep targets. That was the eighth most in the league. And we all know Kyler Murray has a special deep ball. He, I believe he had the highest completion percentage for passes 25 yards or plus. Um, 
I projected this offense, Hollywood finishing with a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. Do you think it's realistic that he hits on one or both of them or none? I mean, I definitely, I have them right around my wide receiver. I think I, I, I believe I have him as my wide receiver 22 he was on the right season. Around, yep. He would have, I projected him to finish like wide receiver 25 compared to last year's results. So it's going to be, going to be right around the same, but like, mm-hmm. so I guess there's no Christian Kirk in this offense. That slot position is unoccupied. Does Hollywood stick to that slot position? Like, is he going to cover what Kirk did last year? I, I do think Hollywood will play in the slot but I don't think it's like a straight swap into Kirk's production into his targets. But I did actually, I, I like that you brought that up because one thing you were talking about the deep targets um, I, I looked at. So Hollywood Brown last year, obviously he was catching passes from Lamar slash Josh Johnson slash Tyler Huntley, you know, obviously a couple, couple quarterbacks besides Lamar, um, but his target quality rating. So that's a number that player profiler has, which combines catchable targets with a dot but then it also provides a premium for deep catchable targets as opposed to shorter uncatchable targets um so hollywood brown last year was had a 5.23 score in that which was 57th in the league um not that just meant he's not getting great targets he did he did actually have the ninth most targets in the league last year yet he didn't finish as a top 20 ppr wide receiver And so, and then I was looking at, let's see, oh, like what did Christian Kirk have as his score in that target quality rating? Well, he was at 7.1, which was fourth in the league. So I think just as a default by switching from Lamar to Kyler, Kyler's proved that he is the more accurate and like better passer. So I think even if he Hollywood isn't getting the fourth best target quality rating looks in the league or anything, like I think there's a huge huge room for improvement from that 57th in the league score so i do think hollywood will get better looks he'll be that default number one for the few first few weeks and that's why i kind of have him as my low end wide receiver two range is i i do fully expect first six weeks even maybe even two more weeks beyond that he's like their wide receiver one borderline wide receiver one production and then for the rest of the year, I do think he's still going to be, you know, kind of like a wide receiver two, three range once Hopkins comes back. How, um, how assertive do you think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be? Because last year we saw Christian Kirk and D-Hop pretty much average six targets per game. Um, they were on par with each other. So do you, th- do you see when DeAndre Hopkins comes back week seven, do you see him significantly outpacing Hollywood in volume, or is it going to be a 1A, 1B situation? So, I mean, I personally think, like, I think DeAndre definitely was hindered by some injuries last year, too. So I don't think we saw really the best DeAndre, like the one we've we've seen the year before. Like, it's not, he he doesn't get the sheer volume of targets like he was used to with uh, Deshaun Watson back in Houston or anything, but he's getting great looks. He is... Kyler does have eyes for him in the end zone, stuff like that. So I do think when his suspension is over, he'll come back. Maybe he's not, you know, they're right away assuming that alpha role in that offense. But I do think within two, three weeks, he will be back to like 
a clear a clearer one. I don't think it's going to be that much one A one B, but it's at that it's saying kind of. I th- I expect Hopkins to return to more of like a mid wide receiver two, maybe higher end wide receiver two, and Hollywood now will kind of drop to where he, I have him kind of ranked, like lower end wide receiver two, maybe higher end wide receiver three range. What price would you pay for Hollywood Brown on draft day? Um, would you draft him at wide receiver 22 like you projected, or would you be willing to reach for him for that early season run? So I do, I do think there's, there's some names around, around his name that I, I think don't have as good of a quarterback or, or offense in general, but I do think we'll have consistent target share and just like looks all season, as opposed to, you know, I'm a little bit skeptical on if he's, if he gets, you know, if he gets eight to 10 targets a game for the first six weeks. I don't think he's going to remain getting that for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of these other guys I have ranked around him, I do think they can average kind of eight to 10. They are maybe the number one in their offense, just outright. There's no impending return of a, a suspended guy. So I think, I think it also de- depends on kind of what, how your, how your team composition, your, how you like to build your roster as well. Obviously no one is like, unless you're Cooper cup, you're not like ever not having duds, but Marquise definitely is more so known for a guy that might give you 25 because he catches a long touchdown or two, but then he might give you two points. Mm -hmm. Um, So if, if he's your wide receiver three or four, I think that's like the perfect spot for him. And even at his ADP, I don't, I think that's fair. It's just that, it's depending on like if he's going to be your wide receiver two and you're really relying on that for the whole season, then I'm a little bit more worried and I might pick someone else that I know is going to have that role almost all year. That's a great way to summarize that. Let's move on to Devonte Adams. I feel like we covered that Cardinals offense perfectly. Um, so Tay is another guy with wide. I feel like he's arguably got the widest range of outcomes this year. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I can see a world where he's a number one wide receiver overall, um, churning out a monster season, or I could see where he's maybe in the wide receiver 12 to 15 range, you know, low end wide receiver one to high end wide receiver two. We just don't know. Um, so Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller combined for 221 targets last year. That's with Waller missing what five, six games. Do you see them? taking tar- enough targets away from Devonte to not warrant that top five wide receiver um, position. So, so I have him ranked as exactly my top or my, my fifth wide receiver for the redraft this year. I believe um, I agree with you. I think I'm spot on with that. I have, I have Jamar, not, not in this order, but I have chase Jefferson cup Diggs, and then it's Adams for me. And yep. that seems like it is a kind of a consensus top five, even a top six. A lot of people agree on with CD is the next guy on the, on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's, we talked, or I I've talked about how, when a, there's a huge vacated target share in an offense, it's usually the running backs that actually benefit the most when that happens. And, but when you look at this offense, they're not an offense that, 
obviously Josh Jacobs actually did catch a lot of passes last year, but that was kind of like an outlier compared to the rest of his career. And so they're not a team that passes to their running backs all too much. Obviously they did bring in McDaniels. That's something. And Brandon Bolden from the Patriots, you know, we, they, they figured to factor that a little bit more in, but I do think a majority of like all, like they did lose targets. Obviously Zay Jones left, Brian Edwards left, Henry Ruggs is gone. Um, there are already vacated wide receiver targets. Um, but you're right where this is definitely the most competition he's he's faced for targets in a while, at least like last few years, the, the competition that that he was facing to, to earn these targets was nowhere near Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller level. Now we're, so, we're talking about that Green Bay receiving room like it's the worst thing we've seen in all of football. Exactly. And so, and we're now, so we're talking about a guy that's gotten 149 targets or more three of his last four seasons. And the one year he didn't reach that number, he was very much on pace to do so, but he actually got injured. And so we're talking about a guy that just gets so much volume. And so we really can't tell if, if they're going to force, force feed him the ball, much like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers kind of did over these years. But um, I do think there's there's some good things to look at for for me. It's it's he was I mean, third in yards per route run. That's always a good stat to be to be high in. That's like very much telling about your your metrics, because that's not doesn't matter if you were injured or whatever. It's like if you're on the field, if you're running routes, that's what it considers. And. The one thing for me is he was he was unreal. He was great against man coverage, which obviously we know when you saw Devonte one on one with a guy, Rogers is like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and so he was. I mean, he was number one in target rate versus man. So that just shows how much Rogers loved him. Right. And then he was top twenty in in win rate versus man and uh, target separation versus man. So I do imagine he he the defenses can't really key in on just him when you have someone like Waller, when you have someone like Renfro slotting across and next to him. So I do think he'll continue to just smash against man coverage when he sees that. Um, But it'll, it'll be interesting to see it's, we, we talked about Hollywood and Kyler Murray with their college connection. And I think Carr and Devante's college connection goes a little bit, more under the radar um it was way more potent though way because more yeah i was gonna say i was gonna read you off they played two years together just two years and Devonte from Carr, it was 233 catches <laughs> 3031 yards and 38 touchdowns that's two you just, years of you college just stole my stat you just stole <laughs> <laughs> well, damn, Dude, now I don't have anything to contribute. But it's, yeah, it's they, were, crazy. they were crazy. They were crazy at Fresno State. And you got to think, oh, it's a Mountain West conference. You know, they don't have that stiff a competition and they're high end NFL caliber players. But no, that's the level of dominance and whatever you want to say, how strong of a connection they had with each other. So I think that's like, it's a subliminal factor in this. Like they they played together 10 years ago. They still pick up on each other's tendencies quicker than 
you know, Carwood with Brian Edwards out there. So I'm really intrigued along with Hollywood and Kyler to just see how important that experience is together. So mm-hmm. I projected out Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. I have Devontae Adams at nine touchdowns. Do you think it's higher or lower than that? Um, I do. I mean, I do think that it's, it's, I, I don't have my, my projection for him specifically in front of me right now, but I do think like eight to 12 touchdowns. He's, he's a red zone guy. He's always received a lot of red zone looks. Obviously that was from Rogers before, and the team has, you know, another big athletic guy in Waller, but like I was saying before, I think it's just like you can't double him in the red zone like you could have against the Packers and things like that. So I do think he very much with that connection that we know of has the chance to go double digit target or double digit touchdowns for sure. Yeah, I think he could like lead the league. But at the same time, Derek Carr's career high is 32 pass touchdowns in a year. So we saw it often that Las Vegas's offense really sputters in the red zone. Um, I believe they were the 29th most efficient in touchdown rate when they got inside there. So I guess my question is just how improved will Derek Carr be in the red zone and how many can Devontae Adams get on the other end of things, especially because Renfro was Renfro was a guy in the red zone. I believe he had all nine touchdowns inside there. Yeah, I mean, I do think so. Carr, Carr has consistently been like a fairly high yardage guy, but like you said, the touchdowns just haven't been there. And I do think that's something where Devonte can definitely help. And just having another elite weapon to be able to go to, you know, Waller, Renfro, Devonte. It's like have fun trying to stop them if you're if you're close. Um, and I, I wanted to say one one quick other thing is I talked about target quality rating earlier with Hollywood. So last year, Adams was 38th in that in that metric. And obviously so he got a, a sheer, I mean, just out of sheer volume, it makes yeah. sense. It's like okay. he can't only receive good looks when he's getting a billion targets. But I will say from Carr, Renfro, Zay Jones, Brian Edwards all had better target quality ratings. And so we were hoping maybe he gets slightly better looks too just overall because it doesn't have to be forced even if that product or the the volume goes down a little bit like I don't expect him to get quite as many targets as he has averaged with Rodgers but even if that volume does go down a little bit I think something I'm hoping for is that the the quality of these targets does go up a little bit um I think it's not the teams aren't only just expecting Devonte Adams to get the ball every single time, like you did, kind of with the Packers. So that's great insight because yeah. I've never, I've, I really haven't looked into the uh, quality of targets as in depth as you have. I had Devonte Adams projected for 143 targets. I feel like that might be a little too high now that we're discussing it, and mm-hmm. you still have Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. In that offense, I believe I projected those two to combine for about 230 targets. So each are eclipsing 100 targets. I don't know the figure off the top of my head, but not too many teams have three players that get 100 plus targets in a year for one Mm -hmm. reason or the other. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to project, obviously, because you like most I mean, you like all three of the players themselves. It's just a matter of how are they going to kind of work together? Um, how is that 
that target distribution is going to break down. Um, but I do think you don't, you don't trade away assets, you know, first round picks and stuff like that to bring a guy in and not throw to him a bunch, you know? So, and it's not like he's at the tail end of his career and he's been slowing down or anything. It's, it's like, this guy is still very much in his prime. He's a top, you know, three to five receiver, regardless, just when you're looking at it in a vacuum. Um, and so I do think it's like car, they, they, they're like, Hey, like Derek, how, how can we, how can we get you some more touchdowns? Like, how can we help you? And he's like, I would love my, my good buddy and top five receiver in the league Devonte. And it's like, all right, if we do that, you got to ball out for us. And hopefully, you know, that's, that's kind of how it goes. Obviously I, I like Derek Carr. He's always been that, like a solid like QB two basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But if he does get that bump in touchdowns, I do think like last year he threw for 4,800 yards. Like he just only had 23 touchdowns. (laughs) Like, and so it's like, he's, he's had the yardage and stuff. And even if that yardage goes down, if he can get up to 30, like if you can, and I think that's pretty realistic, honestly. So I had him excited to see. I had him at 32. So I think that's definitely realistic that he sets a career high. Um, so, so far we've gone over two receivers that are getting connected with their former college quarterback in new offenses. Both are pretty loaded in talent. I, I would say Arizona and Las Vegas both have extremely talented offenses. Now let's look at Miami and figure out that puzzle. Um, Tyree killed. Everybody's new in this offense, except for Jalen Waddle, except for Tua, except for Mike Gesicki. Other than that, like it's beyond my guess as to what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, I mean, they've really revamped that offense. Um, and now, now we were talking about guys that joined their old college teammate. Now we're talking about guys that join a team that already has a pair of college teammates. Yep. <laughs> um, so, I mean, oh, wow, we'll, I did not. I did not realize that Devontae. Yeah. Wow, that just blew my head. Learn something it's new. It's funny. It's funny. No, it's funny because the first two are there. They got traded to go join with their college guy, and these other two are even bigger names, and and they're joining guys that did already have their college their college pairing. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's funny, but. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens on that team. Um, obviously, last year Waddle was the the rock star on that team. Um, he he set a record for most receptions by a rookie. He set a franchise yards record, I think, as well by a rookie. Um, but you saw definitely a lot of what a lot of his production came on volume. He did have he had the tenth most targets in the league, so he had 142 targets. And but his A dot was 6.3, which ranked in the low 80s. And that's that's like very low. But he had the 10th most yak yards after catch. He had a crazy, crazy 110.6% true catch rate, which is like I don't even understand that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like he catches more than 100% of the pass. <laughs> um, but so you you saw him be Tua's kind of go-to guy and it's a short area where they wanted to just get him the ball. And it's, it's evident. You could see like they wanted to get the ball in his hands in some space, even if it's close to the line of scrimmage, 
because you could see him just, he has the speed, he has the awareness, it's great body control. Like, I think that's a little bit underrated. Like, and he has just, he seems like he's almost well-rounded in a lot of these traits when he's only a rookie or he was, that was just his rookie year. And I think it's, it's funny. I was looking at, so when, when you think of a third down wide receiver, like the most premier third down go-to wide receivers, who's, who's a name that goes, comes up in your head. Stefan Diggs and Devonte Adams. Really okay. Devonte. So, so the biggest name for me, I think is Hunter Renfro, who we were just talking about. I think okay. he's one of, he's like the guy I think of when third I think of third down guy. guy. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Right. So last year, Waddle actually had more third down catches that went for a first down than Hunter Renfro. He actually had as just as many as Devonte Adams. And he actually had more overall third down catches than Cooper cup or Keenan Allen, who are two oh. other just elite, elite talents. Um, so you could see, especially as the season went on, Tua really liked keying in on Waddle in these critical third down situations where he needs, you know, a few yards, whatever it is. It's like he's looking for Tua or I mean Waddle. And so yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see how that pairs when you add someone like Tyreek Hill now, where Tyreek Hill, obviously known as the as a burner, a deep ball guy. Um, I don't know if you've seen this stat, but he Tyreek Hill, since entering the league in 2016, he has led the league in 20 yard, 30 yard, 40 yard, 50 yard and 60 yard touchdowns. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not that surprised. By You're that. not surprised, but it's crazy just to hear that. Yeah. It's like, really? Like he has all of those locked down. Really? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I want to add something to the eight out with Jalen Waddle and just how this dynamic's going to work. We should probably address firstly that the head coaching change is very mm -hmm. significant. Mike McDaniel comes over from San Francisco. He's been the run game coordinator slash offensive coordinator for San Fran. We see how Debo Samuel was used last year. Do you know Debo's ADOT? I'm pretty sure it was like very low, even lower than 6.7 yards. I don't have – I can get that real quick though. Um if you want to know, yeah, I, I don't. Um, so his a dot was 8.1, which was okay, so it's relatively shallow, but mm -hmm. I, I kind of see, um, both Tyreek and Jill and Waddle playing a similar role in this offense because they're the best playmakers in this offense, because they both have sub four, three speed. Um, they can take the top off an offense. We didn't really see that from Jill and Waddle, but I think the presence of Cedric Wilson, um, the signing from Dallas Cowboys. He's a he's primarily a slot receiver. He's a lot slower, um, bigger frame. I feel like he's going to man that slot position, and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are going to be given that green light, quote unquote. Um, honestly, it's beyond me how they're going to be used because I think it's going to be such a variety in how Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are used. I don't see Tyreek at the end of the day. I don't see Tyreek even coming close to 159 targets like he saw last year by all means, um, that's inevitably decreasing. But I think Mike McDaniel is going to really emphasize and get the ball in his playmaker's hands. That's what he did with Debo. I mean, you saw how obscurely he was used last year. Even Brandon Ayuk is used all over, stretch receiver, deep receiver, um, shallow receiver. I feel like both are going to get their touches in. They're going to get five-plus five touches a game 
Um, I projected Jalen Wallace to outscore Tyreek Hill. I know that's going to cause rage amongst a lot of people, um, but what, what are the odds? What percentage of probability do you put that at happening? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to stat it out that way. I'm not going to rank them in that way, but I very much wouldn't be surprised. I think, like you said, they're both explosive and Tyreek actually last year kind of had his role changed a little bit from that of just like a strictly deep ball kind of guy where his a dots 15 plus 12 plus mm -hmm. every year it's like he had his lowest a dot since his rookie season last year and so you right. saw him being able to produce even in a short area guy it's actually crazy he he had never gotten more short area targets than travis kelsey in his career before this past year um, oh really Wow. Yeah. So that, I thought that was interesting. That's courtesy of uh, sharp football stats. Um, they do some, they, they have awesome uh, splits and situational and just stats over there. So is that a subscription or is that like a, is no, there a really sharp? I, 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 I sharp. Yeah. Sharp. Um, sharp. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I mean, so I wanted to look, obviously we don't really need that much on Tyreek. We know how good Tyreek is. So I, I more so did some research on like how Miami kind of worked and what formation, like what personnel groupings they used and also kind of what San Francisco did, because obviously McDaniel's coming. Um, so I don't know if you knew this, but Miami threw the, the most targets to the tight end position last year in the entire league. Mike Gesicki you know, had over 100 and Durham Smythe had at even least Shaheen. <laughs> yeah. Getting some looks. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that's when you add someone like Tyreek Hill, I think that's going to go down. I mean, Miami Absolutely. also threw their bottom 10 and just throwing to the wide receivers overall. Um, and I think I've said this before. I don't know if I've said this to you, but I do actually think that Waddle and Tyreek Hill are essentially going to get 20, 25 percent plus of that target share and combine for 50 plus percent in that offense. And I just think you don't i think besides jalen waddle you basically had no other wide receiver options weapons last year and you saw that's why he was really really heavily used but now you got another guy that's maybe slightly more explosive but they can both play the same role you can kind of use them interchangeably in in basically all the same routes like they can both fully run like especially good at slants at goes at curls like you can just use them interchangeably however you'd like um and then another thing i wanted to look at was like how often miami used or like had three wide receivers on the field just in general um and so it's like you're, sh you're shaking your head they ran the league lowest rate of three wide receiver sets and so i think that's a good thing if waddle and tyreek are just on the field every single down there's not even a third option that's a wide receiver on the field to potentially even take away targets um, and so then I wanted to look at, so they, they also ran, they ran 12 personnel at 61%, which was like almost double the next team. And so yeah. they love running just straight one, one running back, two tight ends. You know, we, we know they love their tight ends. Um, and then just two receivers. And so when I was looking at San Francisco last year, it kind of read pretty similarly where they ran three wide receiver sets at a bottom five rate. And they also ran not only 12, but also 21, but either way, it's only two wide receivers. Um, they ran that at a rate only 
vested, right? So only Miami and Atlanta ran some type of two wide receiver set uh, more than San Francisco. So it's not like they're going from one team where they loved running three wide receiver sets to another where it's like always, always two tight end. And like, so if they did have similar usage and personnel groupings, and I, I think that shows like it's not going to be it's not going to be as rough of like a transition kind of. And I think, I mean, you just kind of have Waddle and Tyreek both out there. Let Gasicki basically play like slot as, as a tight just big slot. And mm-hmm. and so I just think that's great for their fantasy sake. Obviously, you mentioned Cedric Wilson, and I do think they paid him in the beginning to have an actual role. But. I think after you sign Tyree kill, it'd be silly to give him as much as you kind of initially expected to. And I do like Cedric Wilson as a player. He kind of popped off at the end a little bit for Dak and uh, the Cowboys, but I think they signed him in the very beginning and they weren't expecting to be able to get someone like Tyree kill. And when, when you do that, I think you got to concentrate most, a lot of your targets toward him. And then obviously your young stud and Waddle. Very interesting. I'm going to have to take a little uh, target share away from Wilson then um, and maybe <laughs> translate it over to Tyreek Hill. I don't see Mike Gesicki getting 100 targets again. Um, no. Not even close to it. As you said, there was just a dire need for someone to throw to other than Jalen Waddle. Um, I really like the rapport that Jalen Waddle has built with Tua. I kind of value that maybe a little too much. I think experience matters a ton with a quarterback and you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not in sync together, it's just not going to happen at the same level of efficiency as Tyreek's used to with Patrick Mahomes as Devonte Adams was used to with Aaron Rodgers. I think you lose a little bit of efficiency due to sp- slippage. Um, I want to turn it over to Philadelphia now because this is the one that you and I are going to argue about. yeah no i mean touching just i mean at the very end of that like you said i think it's like it's uh we'll we'll see how it goes on that team i don't i just think it's so so my i actually i was on a i was guesting on a different podcast last night and my bold prediction in that episode was that tyree kill and jalen waddle will both finish as top 12 wide receivers and so i don't think yeah, it's like I don't think that's that's crazy that Waddle might be the the eight and Tyreek's the ten or something. You know, like I don't think it's crazy that Waddle could outscore him, especially in like a PPR format where he might just get a couple extra shorter looks. Um, so I mean, I I like both of them. I like Tua to just kind of take a, a small step forward, but I don't think Tua has to be like a superstar to to support two wide receivers we've seen jared goff support two top end wide receivers before and he's not elite by any means i guess we should we should probably mention before we move on debo samuel ran the ball 59 times last year in mike mcdaniel's offense i see tyreek and jalen waddle both handling the ball in obscure ways i can see them both hitting double digit carries to maybe provide another point per game or whatever on average um, I do agree with you. I had Jalen Waddle outscoring Tyreek by less than 10 points. They're both going to be right around that wide receiver 10 to 12 slash 15 range. 
I, mm-hmm. I, I can see a world where they're both wide, wide receiver ones. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely like, I was, I saw a play earlier today of Amon Rob Brown being used in that Lions backfield a lot. And I could see sim- some similar stuff like that they did actually with him at the end of last year and not even just with him, but with Khalif Raymond, with uh, some of those other smaller wide receivers, I just think that's something where if you can just get the ball just more into those guys' hands and let them make plays and just, it's like, and I, we, we talked about, uh, what's his name? Devonte Adams. When we talked about him, we talked about how he was great against man coverage as well. Jalen Waddle was actually by and far better against man coverage last year. He was actually seventh in just route win percentage against any, any looks. And then against man to man, he was actually sixth in the league. So he was just absolutely smashing as well. And so much like I was saying with Devonte, where you're not going to be able to double team Devonte now with Renfro and Waller. It's like, I don't think you can double waddle or hill and leave the other one really bare like that and and you still have gasicki who especially is just an athletic guy i don't see him getting the crazy amount of targets but in the red zone he's going to be looked at um so yeah no I'm, I'm excited for that offense and i'm not even like a huge Tua or dolphins guy or anything like i just think there's there's room and and tyree kills doing everything he can to just blow up Tua's. uh ADP and stuff. I don't know if you've heard some of what he's been saying. Just yeah, I guess I guess Pat Tua's <laughs> yeah, I guess Pat I guess Pat Mahomes isn't quite as good as Tua or not as accurate, but we'll see. We'll see about that one. But yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to let's go to Philadelphia. Um, let's do it. The, yeah, ready to put your dukes up. AJ Bust. Um, I'm not a big believer in him. Listen, the Eagles threw a league low 494 times. I know you got some stats with Jalen Hurts um, being more inclined to pass early on in the season. Can you share those with me real quick? Yeah. So specifically, we're looking at weeks one through seven when they were kind of like a passing offense, which we saw Um, Jalen Hurts threw the ball 256 times. So that was actually over 60% of the time, and that's above league average. Mm-hmm. And then we all know, we all remember what happened for the rest of the season, weeks 8 through 17. They just, yeah. like, refused to throw the ball. And so that resulted in a 39% pass to 61 run ratio, wow. which is, like, it was, it was very, very lopsided. And, and during that span, so weeks 8 through 17, the league average was 57% pass, 43% run. So that meant the Eagles in that span rushed 100 more times than league average, and they threw the ball 100 less times than league wow. average. So that is a lot of attempts that what, were... What changed that? Like, what what was the catalyst behind that? I mean, I think that's... That's more, um, I mean, I don't think there's exactly an answer that we can point mm-hmm. to that we, we really know of. I know, I think we, we all know in the beginning of the season, uh, everyone was kind of clamoring for Miles Sanders to get more touches for the team to run more. And it's just funny because it's like, okay, when they did do that, everyone's like, okay, why are we only running? And it's like, they can't, and it's like, can we find a balance here where you're not like, have to be 60% one way or the other. And uh-huh. so, and that's the thing. We really don't know which, which kind of team they'll be. 
And so my projection kind of is that they'll kind of, they they will balance, they will even out a little bit more. I don't think you stick with a 61% run rate yeah. when you bring in someone like AJ Brown. Um, I just don't think that's wise, just <laughs> like franchise move. Right. Um, yeah. I gave Philadelphia 50 more pass attempts this year. Um, but like a big issue that I saw with warranting AJ Brown, that wide receiver nine or 10 price tag that he has on him is that like, there's so many slices to this pie and it's a relatively small pie. I just don't see anybody AJ Brown or Devonte Smith asserting themselves to that level of dominance that a wide receiver one warrants. The tight ends had 119 targets last year, running backs, 106 targets, two of the most prone offenses to target those positions. I mean, you got to think Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck, now Dallas Goddard, all have been historically good tight ends throughout the last decade on this team. Um, and then the running back room, you have Kenneth Gainwell, who kind of emerged as a receiving um, prowess running back. And then Miles Sanders, too, can handle that. So when you allocate 100-plus targets to those other positions, that leaves, what, at most 350 targets for the receiving room. And you think you have Devontae Smith. He's still there. He, he demanded, what, 94 targets, I believe. Uh, actually, I think he was north of 100 last year. Um, but it's not just him. It's that they got pretty quality depth pieces. They didn't lose anybody from that receiving room last year. Still have Quez Watkins deep ball threat. Zach Pascal was signed from Indianapolis. I mean, I'm in Jalen Rieger as well. I'm listing, you know, below average starting wide receivers by all means, but they're quality backups. And I still see them getting 30 plus targets throughout the year. The pie is starting to shrink. Do you really see AJ Brown exceeding a 20% target share in this offense? I, I mean, I absolutely think that he's asserting himself as the number one target getter in this offense. I don't think I, I we know that we actually saw, I think Dallas Goddard played better with like Gardner Minshew when in that one or two games or whatever, we haven't seen as great of a connection. I don't think with Hertz and Goddard or the tight end position in general. Um, and we saw, obviously, Devonte was high, high draft capital. He performed pretty well for his rookie season. But I don't it's it's AJ Brown brings that sort of alpha receiver that Devontae Smith just isn't because of mm -hmm. his frame, because of just who he is. Like he is not that dominant wide receiver one in an offense that AJ Brown is. Like he is, you know, he's seventh in yards per route run, fantasy points per route run last year. He has shown like the ability to command the targets. He was seventh in or fourth in target rate, seventh in hog rate, which is like the ability to command the targets. Are you talking um, about AJ Brown right now? AJ Brown right now. Yeah, yeah I thought so. Okay. So, yeah, and I mean, obviously different team and different offense, but not I don't by think, much though. Not yeah, by exactly. Much. And so I don't think that the, it's like the pie is smaller, like, like in Philly as, as was Tennessee and there's not, I don't think there's like the, the level of competition definitely increased a little bit, but I just don't think that either Devonte Smith or Goddard are going to be like so good where they're going to be like a one B or anything. Like I, I think he's, I think AJ Brown is clearly going to be the one. And so I wanted to see 
specifically like where he would help, where he could help. And so Jalen Hurts last year, he gets he gets a knock as being a bad passer, but like he really wasn't that bad. <laughs> if you look at some of those numbers, like everyone says he's not a good passer or whatnot, but like he was he was 10th in deep ball accuracy, 11th in catchable pass percentage. Like those are good numbers. That's a QB one number. Um, and so the thing he does need to, to figure out to kind of tone back is he was fifth in both danger plays and interceptable passes. And so, you know, what helps with situations like that is a six two just monster elite alpha wide receiver that is top 20 in contested catch rate um, and just can beat man coverage with ease. He was actually fourth in win rate versus man which was higher than Waddle, higher than Devontae that we were talking about, who were both also very high in that. So he, I think it's just, he's, he's an alpha receiver that has shown that you can, you can, he can bail you out in some of these situations. We've seen some of these throws that Tanny threw at him. Like they weren't great sometimes, but he made it work. And so I, I imagine it's like, it's not even that Jalen hurts has to take a huge step up. Obviously I do see, I mean, I've, I've heard bold predictions where he's going to be the QB one this year. And I've seen, you know, he is ranked well inside the QB one range, I think for the most part. Um, And so, I mean, Hertz has also just thrown the, the the desire or shown the desire to like throw the ball, just push the ball downfield. He was third in yards per attempt last year um, or air yards, air yards per attempt. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like when, when he was throwing, it was like all short game or anything like that. Like he was willing to push the ball when he was throwing. And so I just think the team spent significant capital to, to bring this guy in. They could have just drafted a young wide receiver in that same slot, you know, but they went, they opted to bring AJ Brown in. And I just don't think you do that as a franchise, as a team, unless you're more likely to revert to those weeks one through eight splits. And I don't, and, and I don't think you have to get that far. I don't think you have to go overboard, but if they're closer to that than they are their second half of the season, I do think that AJ Brown will command a lot of targets. I think he's, he's just, he's a beast. He he's like one of those guys. He passes the eye test. You know, when you watch him play, you're like, that is just Derrick Henry in wide receiver form. <laughs> like, you know, and you see it with these guys. It's, it's, they, they just, they just really impress whenever you see them, whenever you watch them. So, so I got a question for you about the roles. Um, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith had the six highest ADOT in the league over 14 yards last year. Do you see AJ Brown working as like a stretch receiver underneath because he has that sturdier build to him? Or do you see him? matching Devonte smith's verticalness um do you think there's like a distinction between the vertical receiver and stretch receiver do you see them as interchangeable or is there a distinctive um difference yeah i mean i think i think aj brown can just kind of be more used everywhere it's like like we were talking about some of these guys before it's like we want to just get the ball into his hands and he had he had a 11 11 yard a dot which is not very high which just shows like you know but he's the type of guy that can break four tackles and and take a little slant to the house because he's just he's just so big and just hard to break hard to take down and tackle um so i think i mean i do think that he will work 
he won't necessarily be like a just a deep field stretcher or anything. I think he'll work intermediate routes, shorter routes um, with that just explosiveness and ability to break one off. Um, and I think I just I mean, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to say I, I don't I just like Devonte Smith or anything like that. I think he's an excellent player. I liked him coming out of college. I just think he's not that alpha that the team just traded for. And I think he'll, he can still be serviceable, you know, maybe low end wide receiver two or high end wide receiver three or something, but that's if they do turn kind of past heavy. But besides that, I think it's, it's going to be AJ Brown. And I think, I think one of Devonte or Goddard, I think one of them will also be pretty fair, like fairly good options, but I don't think all three will be able to be like where, where we hope if everything goes right. You need an AJ Brown jersey, bro. (laughs) He is a monster, dude. (laughs) I know what to get you for Christmas this year. (laughs) He's uh, so where do you have him ranked then? I'm curious. Uh, Like, honestly, you don't want to know. I think he's going to be right around wide receiver 25 right now. Yeah, yeah. What do you have for for Devontae then? He was right around wide receiver 32. I personally don't see them really um, stratifying themselves from each other. I think they're going to be relatively close and they're totally. Do you have, are you really high on Goddard then at all? Uh, like tight on eight right around where he finished last year. Okay. I probably allocated too much of the target share to the running back room. I, I believe I had Kenneth Gainwell right around 48 targets and Miles Sanders around 42. Um, Mm -hmm. and you throw in Boston Scott too, I don't like, I, I think I could probably take some targets away from that crew. Um, I guess if my thought process is Devontae Smith is going to be the stretch or vertical receiver and AJ Brown working relatively underneath on average, um, Devontae is not going to get nearly as large of a target share as AJ Brown. I believe I had them very similar to each other. Um, it's just that AJ Brown's working harder for his yards and Devonte Smith gets down the field more when he catches it. So uh, I could probably go back. I could tinker the numbers a little bit um, to align what I think is actually going to happen. And AJ Brown could probably be right around wide receiver 18, but I don't think he's anywhere near wide receiver 10 where you're paying for him right now. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. I think, I think overall I'm, I'm higher just that Hertz will be fine. I think there's people that like think he might just lose his starting job this year. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, you know? And I think, yeah. And they like, they brought in, they've surrounded him with these weapons. Now they brought in Devontae last year, AJ. Now this year you got Dallas Goddard still there. And so I think that's basically what's doing it because everyone else you just listed. So like I have Devontae Smith as my wide receiver 34. And I have Dallas Goddard as my tight end seven, but I have AJ Brown as my wide receiver 10. Um, so I think that's basically the difference is that I do expect Hertz to be high. What, what about where do you have Hertz? He was probably uh, against last year, QB five or six. His rushing upside really throws him up there in the elite echelon. Um, that's what I'm saying in the four point passing touchdown leagues. I have him as my wide, as my quarterback six only okay. behind that top five elite yep. tier. Um, and it, like you said, it's a lot of the rushing upside 
And so I do think like, if anything, it'll be less, it'd be like a knock for the running backs and stuff like that. I just think that he's going to command at least a 20, 25% target share in that offense. I don't think you bring him in and, and pay that amount. And maybe that's with a smaller pie. That's, that's not like, I, I think he has, if they throw like as much as they basically were the first half of the season, like I think he has wide receiver one upside. He'll, like cr- the he'll wide crush my one. expectations. He'll crush <laughs> I have I have them pretty well balanced right now between their rush attempts and their pass attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. We will see. We will. We will. I love the. I love. I love hearing that though, because that's definitely lower than I've seen by most people. But yep. I think usually when when they are low, I think people or they're low. They're higher on Devonte. So it's interesting that you just kind of have it more so evened out, um, and no one really like setting themselves apart, whether it's the tight end room or, or the wide receiver room or anything. So I think that's interesting. I'll go back through. I have one more division to cover. Um, the NFC North is the nat- last team I'm going to go through, break them down and project. And then I'll probably refine my projections, go back through, look at them, see, um, you know, there's news that happens over the past month that changes my thought process like Jarek McKinnon getting signed, you know, I'm probably need Doc Clyde all the way down to the bottom. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go back through and we'll see where AJ Brown comes out. I'll be, I'll be excited. I'll be waiting to hear where he, where he lands now. I'll let you know when he's like still wide receiver 24. I just can't push him up any higher. You know, <laughs> I hope, I hope I, I argued him up at least into the top 20. You you changed you got my wheels turning and so you got me. <laughs> That's all I can hope for. Numbers. That's all I can hope for. Just give you some extra numbers and uh, you take them as you will. And if that means he bumps up a little bit, then then I've done my my uh, civic my duty. talk well. Civic <laughs> duty right there. All Absolutely. right, Conan. Thank you for joining me um, on the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow this man at one stat one day. Use the number one in that handle. Um, he's on Twitter. He's got a very fun Twitter page, very interactive too. Honestly, you're the most interactive user I've experienced with. You're one of my first Twitter interactions. So very glad to have you here. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. I know we've been, you know, talking on Twitter and whatnot and doing some stuff over there for a while, but it was nice to actually get on here and, and just, you know, talk about, talk about these guys, these new, new wide receiver pairings and see what we kind of thought and where we were uh, apart on some of these guys like AJ, but pretty much lockstep for some of these other guys. So yep. uh, I always looking, love hearing that. Looking forward to the next time. Um, Absolutely. Follow Wag, at Wagme Fantasy on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. The Facebook is starting to get more interactive. I'm growing up and using that, I guess. Um, visit our website at wagnerfantasy.com. Please subscribe to the newsletter. It's completely free and it's quality writing for you to help win your league. Conan, we're signing off. All right. Thank you again. Have a good one. Till next time. <laughs>